and welcome to another episode of Fears About Smears. I'm Danny, and when my mum died of cervical cancer in February 2021, I decided to make a blog on Instagram called at fears underscore about underscore smears. This was a place I could try and raise awareness about the importance of us ladies going for our smear tests and also talk about grief, trying to take the taboo out of both subjects. Not to bore you, but my mum was 66 when she died. She had never been for a smear test and she died less than 12 months after her diagnosis. It's left me heartbroken and if I really admit it, a little bit traumatised by it all. Usually on this podcast I have a guest. We talk about our fannies, what they're called and where you put your pants when you go for a smear. Not to sound like a broken record, I am truly interested. But today it's just me. I want to talk mainly about the loss I feel and the journey of grief I'm going on. That in the three or so months since she's died has mainly been me missing the daily interactions I would have with her. But also the ups and downs of feelings and emotions that for the first few weeks mainly ended up with me comfort eating, drinking too much wine and probably, again being really honest, I was a crap mom and a really shitty wife. Luckily, because I have an amazing bubble of my son and husband and a support network that have surrounded me with love and attention, I put my big girl pants on and three weeks ago I joined a boot camp, focused on my diet and stopped drinking the wine. I mean, no one's going to tell my coach about the bottle that I had last night, but one a week is a lot better than the five or six that I, you know, if I'm truthful, I probably was having. I'm now in a better place to deal with what grief has to throw at me. Because as I'm realising, it has a habit of jumping out at me from nowhere. In my previous podcast, I talked with Becky about dreams. At the time, I wasn't really having them about mum. They were more sort of horrible nightmares, not nice, and my sleep was really interrupted. I'd be awake for two or three hours most nights and then really tired during the day. That got better, stopping drinking helped, and my sleep stopped being interrupted. But then, one night, I had a dream about her. It broke my heart all over again. I knew mum had cancer, and I knew it would kill her at some point, but we all thought, including the doctors, she had longer than she did. She went downhill overnight and was in hospital for two weeks on her own before we could see her. And when she did, she was dying, not able to speak, but we had a squeeze of a hand. She knew I was there for those final days. The dream I had about her woke me in tears and I still, days later, can't shake it from my head. In it, she was very poorly. We both knew she was dying, but it was the romanticism of it all that got me. It was the version of her death that I think we all would have wanted. She was at home, she was able to communicate, she was sat up in bed, talking, and I held her hand. We talked and talked and cried and cried and laughed and laughed. I helped her sit outside in the garden, blanket over her to keep her warm, sunshine streaming on her face, birds were singing, she was surrounded by her favourite geraniums, pots of flowers, all different colours so bright. 
what a dream. Wouldn't that have been nice? I struggled that day when I was at work and cried on a couple of people, virtually of course, through video calls. Really professional of me, I'm meant to be the boss, the strong one. It was such a vivid dream and it was like she was with me. So of course I googled what it was all about and started to read about visitation dreams. These are apparently when our loved ones come to us and visit us in our dreams. I don't know whether I believe that or not. I think it was my brain's way of trying to come to terms with the trauma of what was her death. Not the end, that was lovely and peaceful, that last sort of 20 minutes, but just the days before. And it was my way of making it all right. But if she did come to visit me, it was to tell me to be okay with the end. That's okay. I heard a quote on the TV the other day. For any Grey's Anatomy fans out there, sorry if this is a spoiler. But George says it to Meredith on the beach. And it really, really resonated with me. Some grief is heavier than other grief. Sometimes grief moves through you and sometimes it just gets stuck and you carry on. Now, I know I'm really early in my grief journey, but it really hit me. I've lost loved ones before through not very nice circumstances and I don't feel this is the place to discuss them. However, this hole in my heart, this stabbing pain, this can't breathe feeling that I got about losing my mom, made me feel really guilty and bad. How could I have loved those other people that I lost if I didn't feel this pain? I obviously grieve for them and I miss them and I lost them. But it wasn't this bad and low, it wasn't this dark place. Therefore that part, some grief is heavier than other grief, made complete sense. I do feel like the grief is stuck though. We will see what happens further down the journey that I'm on as the days go on. It's still weird and I've said it before. The further away she goes from me, the longer the days go on since she died. It really, really upsets me. Then I start to feel bad and guilty because why am I making everything about me? She was my mum. She was 66. She had a great life. I'm a grown adult. I'm 40 years old. It's the right order of things. You will, all of us will lose our parents at some time. You look at those parents who lose children or children who lose their parents when they're still only children. That's not right. Then I look at myself and I have to cherish the time I had, enjoy those 40 years. And I am truly am so very grateful for that I'm lucky I don't think I've ever really had mental health issues however I know this past 12 months with coronavirus has probably tested us all and pushed us all to breaking point there was that mem that kept going around on the internet we were all in the same storm just on different boats my boat was myself and my husband being made redundant on the same day, you know. 
What's the chances of that? Then mum getting diagnosed with cancer and then of course dying in lockdown. That's made me interested in whether the mourning process as you go through it can mean grief does make touch points with mental health and mental illness. So I've had a read and apparently chronic grief can. Symptoms when you look include prolonged sadness on a daily basis, extreme focus on the loss, neglecting daily responsibilities because of depression, no motivation to interact with people or attend social events, detachment from your friends and family, difficulty accepting the loss after ample time has passed, intense emotions such as anger and pain towards the loss. Now, I'm not saying I have all of these, I really don't. And don't panic guys, I am okay. But I do want to tell you what my grief symptoms are and I'm really struggling with both. The first thing is I've got the attention span of a gnat. I'm like a goldfish in a bowl. Every time I swim around, I don't know who I am or where I'm from. I'm really struggling at work to focus. In meetings, I'm catching myself daydreaming. I start to write an email and stop after the first sentence because I don't know what I'm writing about. I can't watch telly without scrolling through social media at the same time. And I'm having to use a timer to cook food so I don't just leave it to burn. It's not, it's not me usually. I'm also dreading the end of lockdown. I quite like being stuck inside and things not opening up too quickly. I don't want to go and meet up with friends or go to the pub. The only person I wanted to meet up with when we were all vaccinated and safe was my mum. And I can't, so why would I be bothered to do that with anyone else? That's how I feel. But I am acknowledging this and I'm pushing myself out of this little comfort zone to make sure I do go out. And the boot camp that I've started is great. I'm meeting new people. Even when really, all I want to do is stay in bed and binge watch Grey's Anatomy and see who else Meredith is going to find on her beach. Because, oh my gosh, if I feel bad losing my mum, that poor woman has lost nearly everyone. Thank goodness she's a TV fictional character. On a personal note, I would never have got over losing Derek. Those eyes. The other thing I want to talk about, and I had a little bit of a rant about on Instagram, and this goes into the social aspect, is the fact that we're still limited, even though things are opening up, to having 30 people at a funeral. 30 people. Yet, we all see the scenes on the TV of everybody meeting up and pubs and restaurant beer gardens being full. And now they're starting to say, you know, uh, at the snooker, that's going to be full. The Brit is going to be recorded in front of an audience of 4,000 people. They're starting out with um, other sporting events. But you could only have 30 people at a funeral, social distanced. Prince Philip died a couple of weeks ago. And we all saw the Queen sat there on her own. This isn't right. We need we need to get this right. Coming out of lockdown, easing restrictions, 
some priorities need to be looked at more than others because when you have a funeral anyone should be able to attend you shouldn't have to make the family who are going through hell have to invite people for us not only having to make the list of 30 we then had to separate them because our crematorium decided that we could only have 15 inside and the other 15 buggers had to be outside how is that right it's not it's heartbreaking now I know 30 is a lot I know that you know earlier on in the journey people couldn't even have 30 it was less than that and I know that some people didn't even get to have a funeral I understand but I do think it's something that we need we need to look at as a country it's not right you shouldn't have to invite someone to a funeral anyway that's enough about me next week we'll be joined by guests again talking all things to me Tess and Fanny's because at the end of the day if my mom had gone for her cervical screening she would still be with us so please go onto my Instagram page and follow at fears underscore about underscore smears. Here I'm trying to raise awareness, sharing stories sent to me about smear test visits, how people feel about them, what happens when bad cells are found, and even brilliant shining light stories when cancer is diagnosed, but it's also survived. If you have a story to share, please send it to me. I know the page is making a difference. I've been told of ladies who've gone for smear tests or booked them because of it. We need to keep talking to our friends, our relatives, our aunties, our sisters, our mums, our daughters about going for smears, just like we would for booking an appointment for our nails or our hair. It doesn't need to be a taboo. There doesn't need to be embarrassment about it. We should be proud to go and make sure they all do too. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, I'm Danny, and this was Fears About Smears. <laughs>